Um, just a few announcements. Um, uh, this coming Sunday, two big things. Um, having baptism and chili cook-off. Have, um, right now we have about five people who are wanting to get baptized. Which is, that's really exciting. And uh, really looking forward to that. And, um, and so uh, anybody feels uh, the heart tug or you got uh, somebody in mind? that you think might be interested. These uh, get dunked, there's still time. Uh, and then, of course, chili cook-off. Um, I think, are we needing five more cakes? Or did we, we need about five more cakes? Six? We need six more cakes, and so any of you bakers in here. <laughs> we still need a few more of those. And so, uh, so there's that, and then... Um, so those are the two big immediate announcements, and um, then of course we've been talking about. I started I started the conversation this past Sunday about deeper conference. The deeper conference <laughs> is going to be March first Sunday night through March fourth Wednesday night uh, each evening six thirty to eight. Um, the reason we chose that time frame it allow everybody time to get home from work, feed their kids, and and then get up get up here. But one of the unique things about this deeper conference, you know, because I was just saying saying on Sunday that we're not only trying to help people take their next one step, but maybe even their next 100 steps and and their following of Jesus. And and so we're believing for just dynamic uh, encounters and empowerment from the Lord and talking about everything from the role of the Holy Spirit in our life to um, how to function prophetically. And uh, how to how to know when God is speaking to you, and then l- allowing that to uh, flow through you. Talking about walking in the spirit of revival. But here's something that's really unique to this conference: is that that our children are going to be hearing the same thing that we're hearing. So if you if you bring kids, they come here to Kid City, they're going to be talking about the same things in Kid City that we are talking about as adults. Now, as as a pastor, you know, if you you know, whenever I think about this, and I hope you all can put these together, is that your whole family get would get a chance to get discipled in the things that you're getting discipled in, so that when you go home, you should have something to talk about. Amen. That makes me really excited, you know. And so, the more as we do these conferences in the future, we're going to try to put a lot of symmetry between what's happening in Kid City. And uh, and what's happening in adults, and so whenever we can, we can't always do that, but uh, but when we can, man, we take advantage of that. Just I get excited thinking about just families being discipled in in some of these things. And so anyhow, so that's if you can mark your uh, mark your calendar and be a part of this, and uh, and uh, we're going to be needing volunteers, and we'll have a sign up sheet soon for that. Amen. All right, so. Turn your Bibles to John 15. We're not going to be scouting really anywhere uh, beyond that uh, that place. And um, but before I get going, just let me pray. And so, Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for these men that are here, God, and I also thank you for the people who will be listening online uh, later to this uh, podcast. And so, Father, I just ask by your divine hand, Lord. Fill this room with your spirit, God, and fill the rooms of every listener, God, 
to this podcast, Lord. I just ask, Father, right now, just for your blessing to come, Lord, as we open up the scriptures, God. Lord, just as you're, as you said, that your words are spirit and life, Lord. I pray in this moment, God, that we could taste that life, Lord, and and embrace that spirit, Lord, as your words, Father, just come alive to us in a fresh and new and living way. But Father, I give you all the thanks and praise today. Amen. So, uh, we've been here for a while, and I'm going to try to do a quick review just to kind of bring this all back into focus, uh, because it is early in the morning, and it's been a whole week since we talked about this last. And so, uh, well, let me just bring it back into focus. But this is the famous passage where Jesus talks about he is the vine, his father's the vine dresser or farmer, and we are the branches. And I've said in this passage that uh, context is everything. You remember this? And, and, um, and that this is, not, this is not Jesus playing Mr. Rogers, taking us through the produce aisle of the grocery store. This is not Michael W. Smith singing about him, friends are friends forever, if the Lord is the Lord of them. This is not the context, though history and tradition tends to put that picture in our mind but this, that is not the case. This is actually a very intense moment. It's an intimate moment. It's the final words of, of, of face-to-face encounter with Jesus and the disciples. They've been on this three-and-a-half-year crazy journey, There's, and they're here in this moment. They're, in a, uh, they're gathered together. They're, they've been uh, worshiping. They've, he just got through washing their feet. All of these things have just have gone on. And he's speaking to them, and they're getting, but they're surrounded. There's angry people. There's militants that are dis, uh, inspired by Satan. This is cl- more closely described. This is like uh, Benghazi, Libya. Uh, the, surrounded, the enemy's closing in. There's only moments left with the ambassador of heaven. I believe in many ways, John 15. Actually, I think. In my opinion, Jesus is just downloading the secret of life and how to live it. How to live life as a, as a disciple. What it ultimately takes. That we should abide in Him. Stay in Him. The only, only way as the branch is for us to abide in the vine, the only way that we'll ever be fruitful, ever really have life, be an, an, an effective follower of Jesus is by hiding yourself in Jesus. You know, the, and so the great thing that it says in the Passion Translation that when we, have, uh, when we abide in the vine, we've hidden ourselves in Jesus, that streams of fruitfulness. Can, can you imagine a stream of fruit just for a minute? You know? I mean, like, just flowing from your life, but that's the guarantee. And so the kingdom is released through you whenever you abide in Jesus. Whenever his words abide in you, they live inside of you. They bounce around inside of you, and, and you have your desires converted to his desires. And so and then that's how we learn how to pray according to his will, is that our, our desires actually go through a conversion process to look like his desires. Amen. And so um, we're going to look at verses. We looked at verses nine through eleven last week, and I'm going to I want to go there again because there's some elements here that I, I feel like I really need to continue to draw out 
before we move on from this from this today. So we'll still be at verses 9 through 11. But the title of today's message is Fullness of Joy. Fullness of Joy. So verse 9, and I'm going to be reading King James and Passion side by side. New King James says this, As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. And in the Passion it says, I love each of you with the same love that the Father loves me. You must continually let my love nourish your heart. Uh, check this out. So, the eternal love that the Father has for Jesus and that eternal love that Jesus has for the Father, this love that went on, for has gone on for eternity, Jesus is telling us that this love between the two of them, I'm now directing it towards you. And by the way, in that love, I want you to live in it. I want you to live in that love. This love, that tra- this eternal love that travels between the Father and, and the Son. And if you can imagine like the standing between the two of them. And Jesus saying, I want you to live there. Matter of fact, I want you to live in my love like you belong there. I want you to live in it, and I want you to own it. When I was thinking about how to illustrate some of this, I was thinking about like um, whenever Aaron and I were first married, one of our, or I'm sorry, before we were first married, one of our first dates was in Houston. She was from Wharton, Texas, which is south of Houston. And so uh, we drove into Houston for one of our first dates. And um, as we were coming into the south end of Houston, we were driving her little four-cylinder Toyota Corolla. So itty-bitty car, man, little car. And so, like, and whenever you hit the gas, it's like, wee, you know, you could hear it run. And and so uh, we were coming in on the south end on on this six-lane highway area. And so, so here we are, I'm driving in, and there's like six lanes of traffic going one way, and on the other side, and you can see on the other side, if you took a moment, if you took a moment to take your eyes off of the insanity you were in, you could see on the other side another six lanes coming the other way. And so there is just like massive amounts of humanity and metal just, and just going, you know, just flying and I remember I had a little bit of a NASCAR moment. Uh, I was having a little bit of fun. I crossed like four lanes at once, and boy, she panicked. It, it was awesome. I was putting it on a good show, you know. <laughs> but um, but but for most of us, especially I'd say most of us guys in here, whenever we're on a highway like that, we're we're praying, God, get me out of here. I don't I don't want to be here. We're we're not used. To that kind of intensity it's that intensity is way unfamiliar and we're going like where's the next exit ramp i will take every lot you know i don't i don't care but for people who actually live there and who are there every day who live in it 
they actually get used to it. They get comfortable with it. They don't stress out. They might even sing along to the radio while they're driving in that. You know, they may even like tune into some sort of podcast. For most of us in here, that's hard to tune into, right? Just not going to go there. But, but they, what the people who live there, they have their driving skills adjusted to that. They have their senses adjusted to that. Their awareness of traffic flow, what lane they need to be in at what time. They recognize the signs. They recognize what's going on. They've, they've been trained by it. And so in the intensity of his love, I, I think in many ways it's just like this highway. The profoundness of this love, even, even the thought of his love, his unconditional love, can make us feel uncomfortable at times like this unconditional love. It doesn't really fit like, like we haven't earned it, we haven't worked, we haven't we haven't hit all the, got all our brownie points just yet. We just haven't really stepped up. We haven't really arrived. But we're on the highway. And see, here's the deal. No human can earn the intensity of the love of God that happens between Jesus and the Father. Actually, to even think that we should earn it is actually insulting. How can any finite human ever inherit the eternal with their own ability? Nevertheless, Jesus has made a way and has invited us into the superhighway of this, in, this intense love flow between Jesus and the Father. We're invited in. And so the Apostle Paul says multiple times over, that the greatest revelation that we could ever have is the revelation of the love of the Father that is in Christ Jesus. He pray, and Apostle Paul says this multiple times in Ephesians, I pray that the Lord would open your eyes to the love, to the height, to the depth, to the width, to the breadth of the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. It's the greatest revelation we could ever have. And see, Jesus invites us into this love to have our senses trained, to have our thinking trained, to have our mind renewed, to have our thoughts, our feelings, and actions renewed in His love. But what happens to us, I think, a lot of times is that we'll be tracking with God. We'll get a glimpse of what that is, what it's like to be on that highway. But as soon as we make one little misstep or something makes us a little uncomfortable, we hit the exit ramp and we'll remove ourselves from that superhighway and we put ourselves on this path of trying to earn it. But that's not what it's about. He's invited us into this superhighway. Make sense? <laughs> Verse 10. Now this is pretty fun. We, and I, I mentioned some of these things last week. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I, 
just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Verse 10 of the Passion Translation says like this, If you keep my commands, you will live in my love, just as I kept my Father's commands, for I continually live nourished and empowered by his love. And so last week, you know, when we, I, I mentioned this, that I said that whenever we hear this phrase, oh, if you love me, you would obey me, that sounds very manipulative, doesn't it? That sounds like someone's plotting on me, someone's got an angle on me. But here's, but here's the thing, manipulative people are needy people. You know, you have something that they need in order to be fulfilled. And in those kind of manipulative relationships, there's winners and losers, and you're, you usually end up being the loser when, you, when you're in a manipulative relationship. But see, here's the deal with Jesus. He, we don't have anything he needs. That's how we know that he, he, he doesn't manipulate us. Therefore, whenever he makes statements like, if you love me, obey my commands, we can take to heart that that is actually the best thing in our life. Because he's... He, See, we have been designed by the Lord, and the Lord knows exactly what we need in order for us to live the fullness of life, right? And so whenever he says, obey my commands, it's actually for our good. He's not twisting our arm. He's not going to take advantage of us. He's not trying to pull one over us. He's not trying to pull the rug out from under us. He's not doing any of those things because he's not a manipulator. Because Jesus knows that when we keep his commands, when we keep the Father's commands, our lives are going to function best. So Jesus is showing us now how to live on the superhighway of his love. And it's a really simple concept. Obey my commands. And whenever you are living on this and abiding in that superhighway and you're obeying his commands, guess what? It's going to nourish you and it's going to empower you over and over again. Now check this out. A question to think about. If I made his commands my top priority, what would my life look like fully nourished and fully empowered? What would my life look like fully nourished and fully empowered by His love? I don't think most of us in here would go like, whoa, wait a minute, I'm just, I'm overloved, actually. I don't think we'd we'd ever say that. You know what I mean? Now check this out, verse eleven. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. Compassion. The purpose for telling you these things is so that the joy that I experience will fill your hearts with overflowing gladness. Now remember the context of where we're at. This is an intense and intimate moment. Jesus is about to go to the cross and he's telling them about abiding in my love. And he's telling them that if you'll keep my commands, 
that you're going to have the fullness of joy. Matter of fact, he's saying, guys, the joy that's in me is going to be in you. Now, picture this. He's about to go to the cross. He knows exactly what's about to happen. And he says, hey, the fullness of joy that's in me will be in you. That right there needs to be a sign to us that he is otherworldly. That he's connected to something that really transcends our thought process, our, our own humanity, the way that we think that he is obviously on a different highway. Because whenever we approach, you know, if we were to put ourselves in that scenario, we're loading our guns. You're not taking me alive, you know. Over the over the years, I've had the privilege of being at the bedside of people who are about to pass away, and uh, gather with the family in hospital rooms and different area, different places, and and actually, to be honest, early early in ministry, those situations terrified me. Felt all this pressure to say the right thing. And to not say the wrong thing, you know, and just, and it was just, oh, it was really hard for me, and it scared me a lot, because I just go, God, I don't want to, I don't want to mess your people up, and so, but, but now I've, I realize that those moments are actually a sacred privilege to be invited into, and I don't really have to say anything. You know, that I I can just be present, just love. And I don't ask to be invited into those moments. It just it just has happened. I get invited in and and um but those moments are usually very tender, very uh uh intimate with the family because it their time with them on this side of heaven is drawn to a close. But there's all, in those moments, while sad, there is only potential for joy when people are going to go be with Jesus. That somehow, their joy enters in at a point of death and loss and sorrow only because we know that they're going to be with Jesus and that someday we'll be reunited. I've been in those bedsides when, when worship fills the room and there wasn't a dry eye. And people are celebrating Jesus. So I'm going, man, he's coming for his kid. That's laying here on this bed. And all of this is about to end for them. And they're about to graduate. This is, it's like a graduation ceremony. 
But there's only joy when you know that in this sorrowful moment that they're going to be with Jesus. And so now, in this moment with the disciples, they're gathered around Jesus. And he's sharing these intimate words. And he's about to go to the Father. He's about to fulfill the will of the Father. Biblically speaking, joy and suffering are two sides of the same coin. In Hebrews 12, you probably see this. It says, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. And so, because, and, we're, and we've been, gone over this a number of times, that what was his joy or who was his joy? Us. But because of the joy that was before him, us, he was willing to endure. And so, because of that joy, he was willing to suffer. Are you with me? So in John 15, he's about to go suffer. And he's downloading to the disciples how to access the fullness of joy. Which for him, this point of suffering, as he's doing also his father's command. His obedience to, to the father is also his joy. To suffer this, a sinner's death on the cross, to, to suffer, is because he had a lot of joy in seeing us, and his joy was in doing the Father's will, right? So what's he getting at, or what am I getting at? The fullness of joy is keeping the Father's command even though I suffer. The fullness of joy is being willing to obey even to the point of suffering and living on that supernatural highway of the love that exists between the Father and Jesus. So if I can live my life in such a way that I'm going to obey His commands even to the point of suffering, and if I can just make the chief end of my life just to live in that supernatural highway of the love of the Father and Jesus, then that's the fullness of joy. To live in His love and to obey His commands even to the point of suffering. But what happens is, is like when we get a command that's too hard, it's like, that's too hard. <laughs> I can't give that up. I like coffee. Let's track that from the record. That I mean, but here's what I'm getting at. Jesus began verse eleven this way. He says, "These things I have spoken to you, that your joy may be made full." What were these things? Abide in my love. 
obey my commands. When you abide in my love and obey my commands, then you'll have the fullness of joy. See, I think the reason why so many Christians are living depressed, confused, discouraged, joyless is because they've exited that eternal highway of His love. They've disconnected themselves from His love. They have some sort of, they've believed a lie. They've, they've, they've believed something that wasn't true. That they believe that they could do something that could stop this mega highway of love. You can stop God's love just as about as easy as you can stop traffic on a 12-lane superhighway. You're not going to do it. They've gotten off this highway and they've dismissed something he, he told them to do. So these things, abide in his love and keep his commands. Abide in his love, keep his commands. So question, and we'll finish right here. And we'll discuss or whatever it is we want to do. Where is your joy level at? Is your, are you abounding with joy? Fantastic. If you want joy to increase, ask yourself, am I on the highway? Am I living in that supernatural highway of his love? Is there something he told me to do that I've forgotten to do or haven't done or have refused to do? Amen? I want to pray for you and I'll turn you loose. So Father, I just thank you for each and every one of these men, Lord, and I thank you, Lord, for every one of the listeners, God. Lord, I just ask show us what it means, Lord, to live in that supernatural superhighway of your love, Lord. That eternal love, Lord, that travels between you and the Father. Lord, I pray, Father, for a revelation of that. Whether we can just get a, get a glimpse of this eternal love that exists between you, Lord, and teach us, Lord, how to live in it. How to stay in that place, Lord, of your love. To have our, our minds, our hearts, our choices, Lord, our actions, God, to be trained by love. Father, cause, help our ears, and hearts to be so attentive to the things you tell us, Lord. And not ignore it, but to hold it and to treasure it, Lord. Father, that joy would not be elusive from us today, God. That if we are struggling with joy today, God, show us how to get on the highway of love. If we're struggling with joy today, God, help us to understand your commands. Renew that love, Lord. Renew that joy today. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray.